Wendelkin, and this is On the Line, my NBA podcast where I talk to friends living around the country about all things hoops. We do some NBA-related deep dives, drafts, news from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can always find me there. You can send me any of your NBA-related questions about your 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 real-life team, your fantasy basketball team to OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Last, if you could do me a favor, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show in iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. You can very easily search and find the show in iTunes by uh, just typing in On The Line Podcast. The, the show will pop up. Quickly leave me a five-star review. It's an easy way to help the show out. So if you, if you have a sec, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, we got a fun show for today. Um, my friend Dan Rosen is going gonna, is gonna to join us in just a sec. We are talking... Uh, all things Toronto Raptors. The, the Raptors are the best team in the Eastern Conference. They are the best team in basketball. Um, they are one of the most fun, cohesive, uh, innovative teams in, in the game today. So I'm very excited to talk to my buddy, uh, Dan Rosen. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Here is the one, the only Dan Rosen. All right, it's late Wednesday night. We have to uh, we had to record a little early this week. On the line is Canadian Dan Rosen, Toronto native. Dan Rosen is on the line, fresh off a of victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. His Toronto Raps are now atop the Eastern Conference. They hold the the, the best record in basketball. Dan, how are you? It it is a good time to be a Raptors fan, I assume, huh? It, it is. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, it's fun to, to get to talk about this and uh, coming off of a, a win in which uh, a Raptors game was nationally televised I in know. the U.S. for the, for the second straight week <laughs> on the now both major uh, regular season national broadcasters, something that uh, uh, inferiority complex ridden mm. Toronto basketball fans have been begging for for years. Uh, and all it took was was getting Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, uh, so this is I, huge I, for yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know if it was Mike Breen or or who was was calling the game. It was uh, definitely I know Doris Burke. And yeah, she was there. I think it was Breen. Yeah, I think Breen was yeah. on, was the other was the other commentator. Yeah. I mean, even to, I, I don't even know if Tom Rinaldi's ever been to Toronto before. Uh, <laughs> seeing him on the on the court. Uh, uh, interviewing Kawhi uh, after the game, um, you, you you know that the organization is, uh, despite being like something what averaging fifty five, fifty six wins over the last five, you yeah. know Kyle Demar seasons, um, yeah. that that some something's very different in the air yeah. uh, this year, and 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 the the national media in the U S. definitely taken notice. Yeah. So look, I want to dive. I totally wanted to to dive into the uh, the current iteration of the Raps, but I feel like you know you know like I said, the Raptors are top the Eastern conference they have now the best record in the nba they're in my estimation they're the class of the east there's they may be even the class of the league but we can't really talk about um you know this raptor squad i feel like without really diving into a little bit of the past with the raptors kind of like where they're coming from some of the disappointments and then also like what you you hinted at there some of the fan psychology uh for for a, a toronto canadian uh, sports fan what it means to be a raptors fan so um, Dan, so walk me through this. So Toronto Raptors, Maple Leafs, Blue Jays, just to start, is it fair to say the Raptors are like, are they decidedly third place in that, in that pecking order in terms of fan importance? 
I think they have been for the most part throughout their, uh, what, 25, almost yeah. 23 seasons, I think, Nine, 95 would have been the first. Yeah, yeah for, for the most part, you know, minus like I think the, the Vince Carter in its heyday era, which was really short. I guess we'll get into that a little bit yeah. more. But there was there was that time, you know, the one year when he misses the shot at the buzzer to beat Philly in the second <laughs> round. That And, and the, the Leafs are going deep in the playoffs in the same year playing in the same building. Uh, that uh, uh, that that maybe at that moment the Raptors might have there might have been more fa- fan interest, but yeah, it's it, it, it's just in you know, most of those years you go from sort of that one year where they're the only playoff series they'd ever won until 2016. Uh, you know, they they come into the league uh, at probably at one of sort of the all time highs in Toronto sports. You have the Jays coming off two World Series. Right. Um, the the Leafs are back in the playoffs and go to two straight conference finals uh, after being in the wilderness. Uh, throughout the 70s and the 80s. Uh, so there's there's a lot of optimism, excitement. It, it puts Toronto on the map. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not, you know, with, with the glory days of the Jays and hockey always being number one, um, it, it's hard it's hard to bust through. But um, the city's huge. It's like, you know, one of the most multicultural cities in Toronto. And if you look at the crowd at a, at a Leafs game versus a Raptors game, uh, it's, it's a completely uh, different fan base uh, for the most part. How would you uh, describe so, the diamond, like the, the demographic differences between the Raps and the Leafs? Like uh, I, the crowds? I, I, I think a Raptors game today looks like, you know, is 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 uh, representative of what of what Toronto has become a growing right. multicultural melting pot, uh, yeah, melting pot, cosmopolitan city. Um, uh, uh, the Leafs game uh, more like the old guard, um, much yeah. much whiter, yeah. older, um, old probably. Yeah, and probably like you know skewing wealthier crowd just because the demand for for Leaf tickets and the prices are are out of control. Um, not not that Raptors tickets are 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 affordable by any means, but uh, I, I don't think it's quite as bad as uh, as getting to a Leaf game. Remind me, what was the year that Joe Carter walk off home run in the World Series? Was that ninety three four? Yeah, it's not. It was ninety three. That 93. was the second of the two. Okay. Of course, he he caught the ball having moved from the outfield to play first base. That's right. Um, uh, in that game, I can't remember if he started at first base because they got needed to get Winfield in the outfield and losing the DH in Atlanta. But you know that's a different topic. But he yeah, he was the he got to be in the moment of both um, uh, both uh, clinching moments. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and I think the franchise was was awarded. Um, I can't remember if it was late '93, early '94, whenever it was. But of course, uh, uh, it it you know they're called the Raptors because of Jurassic Park, sure. um, <laughs> uh, which uh, I remember as a I don't know 11, 12 year old kid or whatever at the time when they got the franchise. I'm like, yeah. this is the name. This is the name of the Toronto basketball team, really. <laughs> um, oh, you know, boy. We're, the Jays and the Leafs, they both, you know, those are those are the the blue and white. Those seem to be Toronto's colors more historically. And I mean, until recently, the Raptors wore purple. Um, That's right. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it's been an interesting uh, run from the beginning, uh, you know, at least through the first few years. Expansion was exciting. I remember in their first year, um, they were still playing at the Sky Dome uh, before the Air Canada Centre was ready. For, they played their three seasons, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was so, massive, you know, you, you, wasn't it? Well, yeah, because they had had you know uh, uh the, the seats were reconfigured to make it work for basketball right. but there were still tons of seats sold for that you know <laughs> when when michael jordan came in you'd get right. thirty-six thousand people out of basketball so game. you had these sight lines if you're sitting in the upper deck that are just like so out of whack <laughs> 
Oh yeah, and and I think they you know they were in the same division as the Bulls at the time. They uh, the Bulls came in at least twice that season, and I think the second time uh, the expansion Raptors did beat them, and in that was the year that the Bulls only lost what ten or twelve games, and uh, were in the middle of Jordan's uh, uh, three peat, uh, and uh, that that was pretty awesome. I mean, you know, if you're looking for moments at the beginning, sure, um, everybody wanted Ed O'Bannon drafted, and then we ended up getting Damon Stoudemire, who oh was. God. The little mighty mouse, I think they called him. Mighty for, mouse, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The only other player I remember from that inaugural season was Oliver Miller because he was uh, uh, not a slender guy. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> about it. And then and then you know you go through your ups and downs, but but the, but the organization seems to be doing something right, building the right way. Yeah. Um, they get Vince Carter. Right. Uh, they're in the playoffs for the first time in season number five. They lose to the Knicks. The next year they beat the Knicks in a first round rematch. The the, the series happens with Philly. Then the next year, Carter gets hurt. They lose in the first round to Detroit. They don't make the playoffs for a bunch of years. Carter's ousted. Is his departure from Toronto's ugly, uh, and and sort of you know enter a, a 12, 13, 14 year period of just of mediocrity. Just, yeah, d- depression. Like, yeah. Can, can will this team ever get it together? All right. Well, can we talk about so so you touched on the so I I think when we we talk about um, Raptors history, you know, there are kind of a couple of chapters, and you've already touched on a couple. It seems to me the cleanest, simplest way to talk about it is like mid '90s expansion struggles is one chapter. Then we can call it chapter two is like Vince the Vince Carter years. Chapter three is like. Post Vince Carter, Chris Bosh, mediocrity years. Chapter four is maybe DeRozan and Lowry and the playoff woes and losing to LeBron. And then now we have this like post DeRozan, Kawhi, you know, who, who knows what. Um, you touched on the expansion teams and then, and then uh, Vince Carter. I mean, let's let's just hop to, to Vince Carter. I'm curious, like, wh- so... There are a couple like really iconic moments there, uh, but I think the the thing the one that jumps out to me is the 2000 NBA Slam Dunk Contest, which you know like I think for a lot of fans on a national level that weren't like locally in Toronto, that is that was really like a, a pinnacle, like an apex of uh, you know like Raptors, like what it meant to be a Raptors fan at least early on. What do you remember, Dan? Like. Do you remember where you were when that dunk went down? How big and important was that like whole thing about him winning the slam dunk contest? It's amazing that winning the slam dunk competition and just how big the <laughs> slam dunk competition was like, you know, as a, as a basketball fan in, in Toronto and what that meant in, in what a pure exhibition game. And I think it goes to that same complex of yeah. like, you know, we're just dying to be on the map. Just we're getting dying noticed. to be like, like relevant, like, right? It, right. Is, is, you know, who was the national broadcaster back then? I think it was probably NBC and yeah. NBC is actually showing the guy wearing the purple uniform. Uh, uh, you know, he's he's the main event right. of 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 that. Uh, all the, and then uh, all the nicknames, game. all the nicknames came, yeah. came out of it. Half man, half amazing. Vincenity, the uh, Air Canada, Air get, Canada. Like yeah. all all of a sudden, Vince Carter was this major major deal, this major guy. And he was uh, looking, he was charismatic. He was he yeah. was also he like he was really smooth. He played the game like it, it, there was such a like a, a silk a silkiness to it. Yep. Um, uh, he had a great personality. He had a great smile. Right. Um, and you know, so he was the first real star of of 
the franchise. So there was there were there was a, an openness there that that didn't exist. And you know, like they had Stoudemire, who was you know the best player mm-hmm. in you know that they because he was the the one guy they got in the entry draft, not the expansion draft. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, no, th- this was a real star who was what a top five seven player at worst. That's um, right. In, so- in the NBA at the time, and any and he you know he 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 started like a house on fire. So Isaiah Thomas resigned uh, as I think president and GM after the 97-98 season and then Raptors bring in Glenn Grunwald who makes like a bunch of series of like key personnel moves in 98 he selects uh, he trades the fourth overall overall pick, which which was Antoine Jameson to Golden State for Vince mm-hmm. Carter, who was selected fifth overall. Then he goes and trades Marcus Camby to the Knicks for Charles Oakley. They go out and acquire Kevin Willis, and suddenly they had this like stalwart group of vets. They they get uh, Antonio Davis, Muggsy Bogues, Del Curry. They have this like great group of um, you know experienced the, the, guys around like, the junkyard young... dog. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> they had this like core of um, you know experienced vets surrounded by this young young nucleus of Vince Carter and of course his younger cousin Tracy McGrady, nineteen year old Tracy McGrady. And um, yeah, man, who was drafted the year before him by uh, Isaiah, Isaiah. uh, who uh, Isaiah, one thing we can say about him and that that was that that, that's his whole separate chapter. Just the fact that Isaiah was there and uh, didn't he try uh, to like purchase the team at one point? Yes. Yeah. 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 He resigned. He resigned because he was part of a failed ownership coup. Wow. Um, And of course, you you know, you you could look back to, uh, you know, for for the the next time we talk about Raptors basketball on on your show, Chris, we (laughs) we can we can talk about the the different ownership bids and and who it ultimately went to and how that sort of led to the because uh, there there were four really good four the four ownership bids I think three were really good incredible ones and they didn't exactly go with uh, perhaps uh, the best one at the time uh, but who knows how that stuff worked but yeah Isaiah Thomas drafts um, Tracy McGrady and right. uh, uh, you know in, in in today's era of the NBA those two guys would have probably stayed together and uh, you know who knows what yeah. the, we'd be talking about a different chapter it's, three and rest it's Raptors like history, one of but. the great sports what ifs right. Right? You know, yeah. or certainly Raptors. What ifs? Like, what? Ha- what if those two guys make it work together? You know, I don't. I don't know exactly what happened. If the, if there were egos involved, I imagine there were. But um, yeah, so McGrady winds up walking in free agency in 2000. He gets a six-year, $67 million contract from the Orlando Magic. But nonetheless, the Raptors kind of keep, keep you know keep the train moving. In 2001, they make the playoffs. They beat the Knicks in the first round. And then they lose a heartbreaker to the Sixers in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference semis. Uh, Vince Carter misses a last-second shot. Dan, like, from from afar, knowing what we know now, this, to me, like, always felt like the beginning of the end for that Raptors squad, right? Like, is, is that fair? It seemed like after Vince Carter missed that shot at the buzzer against Iverson Sixers that they they never really got it back together again. Is that fair? That's absolutely. I mean, that's factually true. I, 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 I'm not sure if you mean to say that that you could feel it at the moment. I, I think at that moment we felt like we were only on on the, the way of up. Right. Yeah, at the beginning of something. And and but like as I alluded to before, it seemed like that that era the the door opened and closed really quickly. And it turns out that partially the next year because of his injury. Yeah. Um. Uh, although they did, I think, win something like ten in a row, or right at the end of the season without him to to make the playoffs and took Detroit to. 
to five That's games right. in um, when it was still a best of five in the first round. So, I mean, there, there was still maybe some uh, delayed optimism the, the next season that, hey, we'll, we'll get through this and he'll be back and, and great again. But no, it, it, it turned out to be as, exactly as you said. So that, what, that, the hell, that, like, what the hell happened between 2000 and, I don't know, 2001, 2002, and when he's eventually traded in 2005? Like, I, I know that he was injured. He had a couple of knee injuries and then he really kind of soured, you know, there's some like conflicting opinions about like who said what and did he demand a trade or did he quit on the team? But like, what exactly happened? You know, were they, were they trading players away? Like why, why did they really fall apart there? How come they, they really struggled? I mean, they missed the playoffs for I think two or three years after that loss to the Sixers, right? Or after the loss to the Pistons. After the loss of the Pistons, they didn't make the playoffs again until the Chris Bosh era right. was um, uh, was sort of in in full uh, bloom. Um, I mean, I, I don't I don't recall like exactly when the players started going. Obviously, McGrady had already left uh, mm-hmm. uh, prior to the year that they they, I they think brought it, in Hakeem Olajuwon, yeah. right? He barely played. He eventually I think he played there for a year, he, and he was playing like fifteen minutes a night, and then he eventually retired. Vince Carter had the knee injuries. Um, I don't, I don't know. And then by 2005, he was traded to New Jersey for Eric Williams, Aaron Williams, and a washed up Alonzo Mourning who never reported to, to, to the team. Yeah, that was, uh, that was probably part of that, you know, the way they had to move money around, which is how the, I still don't understand how that works in the NBA, but, uh, they, they I mean, they, they hired Rob Babcock as their general manager, I think in 2003 after Grunwald was fired. I don't know what happened between him and Carter. He was the guy that ultimately traded Carter. Um, there was, I mean, ownership was very chummy with Carter for a while. Um, I think there was uh, more to the, the kind of things you were talking about that he, uh, special privileges. I sure. mean, I, 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 I don't really remember what was going on. I mean, it was really easy to, to disconnect, um, from, from the Raptors. Like they, they, they fell as fast as they had risen, um, over that time. And yeah, he had soured. He had definitely, he admitted later on that he had quit on the team. I think, right. um, he certainly did at the time i mean he was sulking on the bench and and he wanted out i don't know if it was the, you know the market wasn't the place where he could be to maximize his value and exposure um uh, uh, you know, combine that with a team that was clearly declining, uh, and and a place that had been so exciting uh, and optimistic uh, uh, clearly was was like just the exact opposite for him in, in those last couple of years. Um, uh, on his on his sort of unceremonious way out the door. So I want to ask next maybe a two part question, but um, the first is just like how is how is Vince Carter's legacy aged over time with Canadians? Like, has it kind of has 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 there been some healing and some forgiveness there, or are people still in Toronto? Are people still pretty sore about the way things ended? No, I, I think enough time has passed. I mean, they they celebrated him. I, I think if it wasn't if it wasn't, I think it was last season, but if not, it was definitely the season before. On his, you know, he's been a Western Conference right. player. I know he's with Atlanta now, but um, for the last few years, so he'd only have sort of one visit into Toronto, and they did the celebration and the legacy and the you know the video, the tribute, all that. Sure. Uh, and, and I think that was sort of the, the moment that said, this is, this is, you know, let's, let's sell. Yeah, we're good. Let's celebrate what was good about, about Vince. Uh, and people have forgotten the, the, the sulking on the bench and the, the, the way he, uh, he left town. Um, 
Yeah, okay. Then the other part of my question is this. So why were people so hurt by Vince Carter demanding a trade? I mean, it seems like star athletes do this all the time, no? It, it felt like a uniquely Canadian, you know, Toronto situation in that, like we were talking about before, there was such a fragile sense of identity with the team and the fan base trying to become relevant in the league is that do we think like that's like the crux of it like i yeah i i I think so i think the fact that he was the first um the the first true star of the franchise um who was also the first true uh star who didn't resign and want to stay there long term i mean mcgrady McGrady didn't play long enough in toronto to qualify for for that and he was also yeah yeah. and he was also he in his you know his entire time in toronto was in carter's uh, shadow so um that uh which is also one of the reasons why he he left the, the different nba it was back then but yeah, I mean, that that was like the real sort of punch in the face. I mean, whereas, uh, you know, Joe Carter re-signed with the Blue Jays, right? I mean, there was, you know, there had we had sort of gotten over that hump with baseball. We had also won. Um, you know, the, J- the Jays had been, I think, between 85 and 93, uh, had the best record in, in baseball over that eight, nine year span. Um, and it had sort of, you know, established themselves as a perennial playoff contender and a destination that that could attract um, the type of players. Uh, I like Dave Winfield and Paul Molitor, who signed uh, to, to help push the team over the top. I mean, that was not happening with basketball, um, despite the fact that, again, uh, uh, getting to the playoffs in the amount of time that they did look at the their expansion cousins uh vancouver i mean that was an ultimate disaster where toronto was on the was on the right traject trajectory and then boom um you know and and yes at that point you do see it as a slight to your city um and by extension because of the nature of the nba at the time uh to your country and and fans took it really hard uh and uh, uh until demar DeRozan uh resigned um uh you know we had never had the experience in in you know at that point 15 years into the franchise of of any marquee player ever either signing or re-signing in toronto yeah. God, you mentioned Vancouver. I don't know if you have any insight into this, but what the hell happened there? Do you, do you, do you have, like, did the city just I, I, I don't, re- I've, I've asked that question a lot myself. I mean, I know on, on the easy answers on the court was a disaster, but that, sure. but, but, but that, but it wasn't a, like it, it, fan, good fans in that city and, and they were, and they were going, it wasn't like they were playing in front of an empty barn. Um, there was, you know, I can't remember if there were some, if there were ownership issues. And I know the guy who bought the team, I think he was from St. Louis said he wouldn't move them and of course he moved them um uh i I mean all i remember is bryant big country reeves and sharif abdur rahim and um, (laughs) i remember those jerseys those jerseys were like unbelievably at least the name at least the name had something you know was was relevant to the uh to the city and the area as opposed to raptors but um they uh uh, i mean i don't i don't think they ever won more than 25 28 games and there's they played six or seven seasons in vancouver before they moved uh i mean it was just a disaster on the court yeah um, but 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 ultimately the move came down to ownership i did go to one grizzlies game they'd actually they won their first two games uh, ever in their franchise history and then they i think proceeded to lose something like 20 in a row and i went to the game in vancouver right before christmas in 1995 where they broke that losing streak um wow. which was pretty cool um I, I can't remember if that was my first ever NBA regular season game. I don't think I've been to a Raptors home game yet at that point. So, um, so yeah. it was 
pretty awesome. Back to Vince um, and, and Vince leaving Toronto and kind of spurning the city and that being like a really sore, uh, sore point for the fan base for a little while. You know, it's so interesting. You and I have talked about this before. I think, you know, when we were watching the World Series together a couple of months ago, we were just talking about this, the, the city of Toronto. And it was like, it was really, uh, it, was, it was just so interesting because truly Toronto is one of like the great cities in North America, much less like in the, across the globe. And it is one of the great sports cities, one of the great, like great fan base um, in Toronto. And it is so interesting how it doesn't necessarily like resonate or click with American athletes who play in Toronto, but it is truly like one of the great untapped um, sports markets, uh, certainly in the NBA. Uh, I, I don't know if you you know have a thought on that. Well, I think to some extent that probably is part uh, explains some of the disappointment Demar had in in being traded, uh, in that he he really did come to love it. And like he was he was the, the first guy that like wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I mean Kyle Lowry did did um, uh, resign with them before DeRozan did, but of course he'd been acquired in trade and had not really established himself as the kind of player he is now. When he he first resigned, uh, you know what what seems like a bargain. What was that? A four year, forty eight million dollar contract. That, right not too long ago. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, like, look at that arena. If you're watching tonight's game yeah. uh, or, or, or what, you know, what that place looks like um, over the past few years, I mean, uh, you know, fine Drake sits next to them on the bench, whatever that seemed, but you know, they, they, they put on a great in-game product. There's not an empty seat in that place. People are standing the most of the time. Like rabid. they're, they're rabbit. And, and, and that, and, and, or, you know, the Jays in fifth, 2015 and 16. I mean, uh, there's, there's, there's a hunger and a thirst for winning um, that uh, it, it's a different generation. I mean, when the Jays are winning World Series, yeah, you're you're at a World Series game. It's loud. People are standing. They're clapping. But I mean, that wasn't the case in the regular season leading into these playoff drives that they had in 15 and 16. I think there's something about this this younger uh, generation of, of Toronto sports fans um, that is just more passionate. They're they're less um I guess they're less controlled uh, in their <laughs> desire to to see uh, to see victory, um, and and that really, that culture has really transcended um, all of the major sports teams, including their their rabbit about their their major league soccer team. Um, uh, it, it's it, 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 it's a big city with a big fan base. There's you know a, a lot of competition for the entertainment dollar. Um, uh, so you know organizations got to put on a good show, but the fans are. Uh, it, 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 Look, it's a, it's a great, it's an exciting time to be a Toronto sports fan. I was about to say great time. Let's see, let's see somebody <laughs> win something first. But, right. um, but, but there, but there is a lot of excitement and enthusiasm uh, around the fans, and the city's grown. People, people want something to do, and those arenas, those stadiums, they're right downtown. That part of the city is hopping. Um, uh, you know, go spend some time there, either in the summer for for baseball or or now for hockey and basketball, and and you will have a great time. And uh, I guess everybody in Toronto is really hoping that. That's what uh, a certain guy wearing number two right now uh, is experiencing because, yeah. of course, you know they're 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 desperately trying to show him the love so that he'll stay. We'll get to Kawhi in just a sec. So after so uh, Vince Carter's traded in two thousand five, um, basically two thousand six, two thousand to till two thousand ten. There's not a whole lot to talk about here. These are the post Vince Carter, Chris Bosh years. Like I said, there's it's just basically a lot of mediocrity. There's a there's a couple first round disappointments. Nothing notable. Um, 
you know, uh, it's, well, it's, you do. I, I mean, you have another, you have another false start, right? You, you, yeah. you do have one surprisingly good team. I guess they win the division, um, in Oh six or Oh seven. Uh, and they, they go out to Vince Carter's New Jersey nets in six games in a series that they at home court and probably should have won. Um, but you know, you have an, a, a lack of playoff experience on that team. Um, is, Bargnani, good... is Bargnani on the team at that point? Yeah, it's Bargnani's first year after he's drafted first overall, right? The only time that organization's ever drafted first overall, it's probably the best season he ever has is his rookie year. Um, Bosch comes into his own as a legitimate top player. Right. Um, they had, uh, oh gosh, um, Alvin Williams, good point yep. guard. I TJ mean, there's Ford. Some, there's some, yep. There's some good players on that team. The, the, the next year, I think, is the first year of the um, the super team in Boston. And so they run away with that division. The Raptors quietly go out in five games to Orlando in the first round. And then and then that, you know, then, then Chris Bosh is traded. Or, or sorry, he, no, he signs, he signs in Miami. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, he signs in yeah. Miami in 2010, the summer of 2010. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it just felt like the same thing that always happens with Toronto, which is like they develop this great prized young prospect, and as soon as you know a warmer city or whatever has something else to offer, you know they they bounce. Okay, then from 2010 to 2013, you know yeah, those are bad years. <laughs> this is just rebuilding, compiling picks. You know, DeMar DeRozan is drafted in 2010. Valanchunas is drafted in 2011. Dwayne Casey is hired before the 2011-2012 season. Uh, In 2012, they trade a first-round pick to Houston for Kyle Lowry. So basically, they're kind of, you know... They're, they're planting the seeds for what would eventually become the prosperity of 2013 till 2000 and uh, till last year. 2000, yeah, so in, in, in many season. ways, Brian Colangelo uh, uh, leaves Masai Ujiri actually with a, with a pretty good uh, base. Um, uh, and, and Masai comes in um, uh, inheriting uh, Dwayne Casey, but uh, finding a way to make that work and, right. and really, you know, stability. It, it, that organization, in, in many ways, the way the year in which they turned it around with Bosch and sort of win the division unexpectedly mirrors the the first playoff year in, in the Lowry DeRozan era, where um, they they start the year pretty poorly uh, and then and then everything just clicks. They 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 basically beat all the bad teams, the teams they should beat, uh, and and they proceed to win a, a pretty bad division. Um, and they go out in seven games uh, at home. Uh, with Kyle Lowry uh, missing a shot uh, at the buzzer uh, in a very tight game seven. Um, is that against the Nets? And is we're talking 2013, 2014? Uh, that would have been... Or the year before? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's 2013, 2014. Okay, cool. Um, right. And, and the year before that, they'd started to turn around, but... But you can see that, like, you know, stability is there. This is a team that has a lot of quality players. It has depth. Uh, uh, and there's there's reason to be excited. And I'd say the, the building looking like it is now, this whole, like, this is the six. This is, mm-hmm. you know, we the, we, we the north, right? I mean, Masai Ujiri comes out on the, the platform before the uh, uh, the first game, of course. That's um, right. 
you know, Toronto always gets the uh, the Saturday 12.30 p.m. Uh, game to start the playoffs. You want to talk about uh, inferiority complex? We, we know how much the networks love us when, when you know, every NBA uh, first-round game where they take all the extra days in between <laughs> games so that there's no two games that are ever on at the same time. I mean, that's insane. But uh, uh, in the, the, we always got caught with that Saturday. You know, we're not, you're just barely waking up. And, like, these guys that never play a game that early all season long have to play that. I mean... Uh, but yeah, he gets out there. He says, fuck Brooklyn, yep. um, gets fined 25 grand by the NBA. Um, you know, we, the North, all the chance, uh, that square outside the arena, which wasn't there during the Carter years and Jurassic park and, and the whole thing. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, every, and, and it's really for the most part, other than, you know, the disappointments in the playoffs, um, uh, it, it's, it's really been a, a great team, um, uh, since then. So I feel like the last five years, basically since Masai came in, so 2013 to 2018, again, what we'll effectively call the DeRozan Lowry years, um, you know, was very much about like getting the team to a respectable place and to, you know, like establish the team's credibility as like, hey, we're going to be in the playoffs every year. And, you know, I think that they certainly succeeded in that respect. Um, you know, in in 2013-14, they go out in the first round to the Nets. The next year, they're the fourth seed. They go out in the first round to the Wizards. In 2015-16, they're the second seed. They make the Eastern Conference Finals. They lose to the Cavs. In 16-17, they're the third seed. They make the conference semis, lose to the Cavs again. It's a sweep. And then, of course, last year, they're the first overall seed. They make the conference semis, and they lose again to the Cavs, once again in a sweep. So I think it's really, you know, stating the obvious here, it's those last three losses, all to the Cavs, all at the hand of LeBron James, where it was like they knew they finally had to make, uh, like, some wholesale changes, right? And so they ship Kawhi Leonard. Uh, th- I should say they they ship uh, Demar Derozan and Yaka Pertle to San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Um, you know, is it is is it is it fair to say over the last five years that like this is a team that's it? It always just felt like this was a team that like kind of turned into a pumpkin, right? Come postseason, they were like a hard working blue collar team in the regular season that kind of uh, could never get over the hump come postseason yeah i think i think you know in, in year one of five you 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 give them a mulligan because sure. uh, that team doesn't have a lot of playoff experience and and while they were i think a better team and a more complete team than than the nets were you know you had paul pierce and uh, uh still pretty effective at that time and and garnett still playing somewhat significant minutes and darren williams i mean that, that wasn't a bad nets team they had more experience and i think you know you you go seven games and lose at the buzzer again you're optimistic you live and ready. with it lose it yeah losing to the wizards in four that was disgusting um uh and you know but then year three you, you're still at that point. Remember in 2016, you've won one playoff series right. in your entire uh, existence. Um, you've never won a seven game playoff series. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, you're snake bitten. And, and they, a, a, a really, really inferior Indiana team uh, takes them uh, all the way to game seven. Um, I mean, Paul George didn't miss anything in that series. Uh, uh, but they get it done. 
uh, an inferior Miami team takes them to a, a game seven, uh, which at least in, in that game seven, they, they, they turn the corner and blow Miami out toward the end of the game. Uh, and, and you're not biting your nails. And then you have a, a Bismack Biombo uh, inspired <laughs> team that, that comes home after like looking completely outclassed by Cleveland, uh, as they should have been at that point. Um, uh, 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 but he come, they come home, they, they win two, right. uh, and you're two games away from the nba finals of course nobody's beaten golden state but so that's the time we're getting to the finals is the equivalent of winning right um and and because you're not expected to beat lebron that year you make it to the conference finals you pat yourself on the back um and you say all right you know here we are and we're optimistic again Mm -hmm. and then the next year it's definitely turning into a pumpkin again it was a good start in that year i I think the rosen might have been hurt for a fair bit of uh of that season um where they they, you know, unconvincingly beat Milwaukee in the first round, and and probably unsurprisingly get swept by Cleveland. Yeah, uh, just given that the, the, they that was the the, the strong start and, and poor finish team L- last year. Uh, they were a better team than Cleveland. Uh, that no I mean, that was that that's that's that that's what really hurts. And that's when you say with with all the depth, the bench mob, and everything we have, and and uh, and and we can't get over the hump. Forget the fact that LeBron's gone west. Um, whether it would have been Boston, Philly, or whoever they, Milwaukee, whoever they might have been uh, afraid would would do the same thing to them in the playoffs. Masai just says, "Hey, I'm, I'm going for it." Um, and yeah. when when else am I going to get a chance to get this complete a player who will make everyone else around him better? Uh, and uh, he, this is we don't we don't sign players from other teams like this. So this is our only chance. Um, and with the contracts we have. Uh, what's the worst thing that happens? We we uh, we start our rebuild faster. Totally. And, you know, and and now at twenty one and five, uh, I think it's it's fair to say, having beaten the Warriors for the first time in the regular season, I think since before the Warriors were the Warriors. Um, you know, statement games. Uh, uh, this is this isn't just beating up on the bad teams and 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 getting to the playoffs, uh, thinking that that we're not going to be able to overcome. Now, pe- people actually think this is a this is a legitimate championship team. All right, let me let me go back to the DeRozan Kawhi trade. So I know it's I know it's easy now to say, obviously, you support the move. It's going great. They're twenty one and five. They look like the class of the league, class of the East. But looking back on the DeRozan for Kawhi trade, what was your initial reaction? I know a lot of people around Toronto, especially DeMar himself, felt that it was especially cold-blooded. How did you feel about the move when it happened and the way that it was handled? I mean, I was excited by the move when it happened because, again, to get get a player like Kawhi in a Toronto uniform, even if you you, you, you think think it's only going to be for one year uh, uh having not been able to win in the playoffs you got to say this is this this is this is the game changer so uh, there was no reason not to be excited the fact that damar was who he was and was a loyal toronto guy when we'd never seen that loyalty as a fan base um you know makes it more bittersweet you are you are sad to see him treated that way um you certainly believe that uh, uh you believe him in good faith that that Masai told him he wasn't going to trade him. He was clear to him, probably qualified and said, I have no intention of trading you or whatever, whatever moment, you know how these things go. Yep. Um, uh, uh, I, I don't know how you handle something like that better. That's not to say you pat Masai on the back for how it was handled. It's a difficult situation. Um, and, and again, I, I hope in time it'll heal. And, and he is a hero uh, of the, fa- of the franchise uh, in, 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 in a way that, that Carter certainly is not uh, and should be remembered. 
I think DeMar deserves that. But there's there's no way you can say uh, with a straight face that that situation was handled well. Yeah, but unquestionably it was the right move, right? I mean, like the, the team looks decidedly different. They look decidedly better. Also, we should mention, we should mention in another uh, very some, somewhat cold-blooded but um, still necessary yeah, the car- move. Yeah, the coaching move. I yeah, they, they swap out Coach of the Year Dwayne Casey for um, Nick Nurse, who was an assistant coach on Casey's staff. Um, so it's quite the off season. So Dan, I'm curious, just, you know, to, to, to the naked eye here, what seems, uh, most different to you about the team? I mean, it seems they, they seem to be like the definition, uh, and the embodiment of like positionless basketball, right? You know, a bunch of wing players shooting threes, guys who are playing both the four and the five versatile switchy bigs. Um, yeah, that, that, you 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 said it better than I could, and that that seems to be the the biggest difference between um, uh, uh, Dwayne Casey and his former assistant, now head coach Nick Nurse, uh, uh, and that you know give Nurse a lot of credit for figuring out how to best leverage the uh, Ibaka uh, Valanciunas uh, minutes, yeah. um, uh, splitting them up, um, uh, you know having one of them start depending on who the opponent is. Um, I, I think there's a, a creativity uh, there that you got to say you know coaching does does make a difference and i love casey i think everybody in toronto loved Dwayne casey he was he he was a fan favorite he was he was a total guy was all class um and remember he wasn't Masai's guy either i'm i'm i i don't the, the organization was pretty good about not airing dirty laundry and it's hard to um I mean, I've just I've I've heard a lot. I've read a lot uh, that that they were never particularly enamored with one another. Um, uh, you know, the coach of the year thing and the way it happened, of course. But it was it, same with with Demar. I mean, like it, it, it's something you have all that talent and you you know forget the fact that you can't beat LeBron, but like the way that they lost to them two years exactly. in a row. Um, and, and it's not just one player. So um, I, I, I think Toronto fans would have were looking for maybe a, a more of a marquee name. Um, I, I don't know if Budenholzer was offered the deal. I remember that they uh, it seemed like he was the talk, the guy they were trying to get. Um, he he goes to Milwaukee instead. But um, th- this is this is one where you got to say it's it's easy now to say it was the right move. Um, not sure I would have said it was the right move at the time in the same way. I said with confidence about uh, Kawhi. It does seem, you know, it does seem that like with adding Danny Green and with Kawhi Leonard, that these guys really give them a lot of like championship. It sounds cliche, but like a lot of championship veteran savvy and pedigree and smarts. And Lowry and DeRozan, they always, uh, I mean, like we talked about it before, Let's. the fact of the matter is they kind of wilted in the playoffs. And there does seem to be a leadership about this team that feels different. Um, there seems like Kawhi is taking the, you know, he is shouldering, he is shouldering the offense. I mean, he is decidedly like the leader of the team. Kawhi, I mean, um, uh, Lowry seems to be doing less, uh, and actually playing better. You know, he, I think his, he's, he's averaging, I think almost a whole, like two, two or two and a half more assists a game than he ever has in his whole career. Yeah. A player, player like Kawhi is, is just making him and everybody else around him better. It, it's more balanced. Uh, I mean, in, in, and I'm glad you mentioned Danny Green. I mean, he's clearly anything but a throw-in. I mean, the the championship pedigree, the the winning experience. 
against the the defense, right? I mean, like this team that like, they try year after year, like where's the defensive uh, uh, priority in, in the way they play? And it just it, it, these guys bring that, um, uh, and I think it helps to have a second guy there, uh, uh, yeah. you know, from from the Popovich system uh, uh, coming in uh, uh, to to lead in that way. Um, and and DeRozan, like as great as he was, he he, I, 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 he, he had to be off the court late in the fourth quarter because uh, of his uh, uh, the way he played defense in the playoffs. Oh, it was like tissue paper on the court. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's run through the roster real quick. So we have OG Ananobi, Chris Boucher, uh, Lorenzo, Bra- Lorenzo Brown, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, Jordan Lloyd, CJ Miles, Greg Monroe, Norman Powell, Malachi Richardson, Pascal Siakam, Jonas Valanciunas, Fred Van Vliet, and DeLon Wright. Um, the you know the the thing I want to talk about a couple different guys, but just overall, like the roster as a whole, just seems so fast and long. Like I I, I just can't get over how big these guys are. Siakam in particular seems to epitomize like that, and and Abaka as well. You know, Abaka plays a small ball five. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it before. So is Nick Nurse basically going like night by night with Serge Ibaka and and Valanciunas? Is it like yeah? Uh, it's so yeah, it's it a night, on, it's a matchup. Depends thing, on right? the. It's totally a matchup thing. He is. Um, he's almost like it reminds me of the way that certain managers in baseball use their bullpen or something. Like he's just a pl- he's just like playing the match matchups right, like a righty or a lefty, um, depending on what they exactly. Need. And and as far as I can tell, not having watched uh, as much uh, Raptor basketball as I probably will watch between now and the end of the season. Uh, I don't think they're often uh, on the court, at, or if at all, uh, at the same time, which I think might have been uh, part of what was uh, in why Ibaka was struggling. So, I mean, boy, did that look like a bad acquisition um, last year, uh, and 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 uh, uh, you know, a re-signing of a contract that was going to be like a noose around them. Um, but uh, credit to Nick Nurse for for that because uh, it doesn't look like that anymore. Um, See, so yeah, and and you mentioned Siakam. We got to talk about him. I mean, he's. He's a guy two years ago that that looked like sort of just a a, a guy who was only going to get in um, uh, in regular rotation when someone else was hurt, a perennial bench player. He was part of the awesome bench mob last year, but now, I mean, now he's a legitimate starter, and the guy the guy is fantastic. Uh, so uh, yeah, and- yeah, I can't imagine anyone really saw this level of improvement coming for Pascal Siakam. I mean, he was a he was a late first round draft pick two years ago out of New Mexico State. He's originally from Cameroon. Um, this is another in like a long line of genius finds by Masai Jerry. I mean, Siakam is, he's six, nine, he's lethal in transition. He plays D he hits threes. He's shooting almost 80% from the, from the free throw line. I mean, Dan, I got to believe that Siakam has to be in the running for the most improved player of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and the only reason he wouldn't be is because I think he was already, he was so improved last year, just not getting noticed as much. Uh, Cause he, 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 I mean, one of the first things I remember hearing after the, the uh, Leonard trade went through was, Boy, the Raptors are lucky they didn't have to throw Siakam. Into oh, I this, know. Right? Yeah, when Pirtle was second. So, I mean, I, I think, I, I think this was already happening. Um, he's just getting noticed more. Uh, going back to the Raptors getting noticed more. His minutes um, increased. I mean, he's playing almost thirty minutes a night. He is now putting up what is it, fifteen points, six rebounds, two and a half assists a game, a block a game. 
um, he just looks so long on like when you're watching him on TV, uh, it's like that guy's six, nine. He, I mean, he could easily be seven foot. He just, he has an incredible wingspan and you know, his ability to shoot the three and he's doing it with such decisiveness really forces defenses to, to respect him. And it means they can't cheat when Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka want to play pick and roll or whether it's Lowry and Lettern are playing pick and roll. It went with, um, with Siakam parked out on the three point line, like defenses have to respect him when he's, when he's camped out over there. Absolutely. He's, uh, uh, he's like you said, he's fast. He's got the wingspan. He can cut, uh, he, he, I mean, just what a, what a great and perhaps unexpected, uh, uh, asset that you have in, in a player like that. And, uh, you mentioned some others, uh, uh, I, I don't think they're they're taking the league or getting the attention uh, in, it, taking the league by storm and getting the attention that Siakam is uh, right now. He's definitely sort of the flavor uh, of the month. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, Delon Wright, OG these these are yeah. really good players. Talk to me about, uh, and, uh, talk to me about OG, uh, OG Ananobi. Like, talk to me about his game. What do you what do you enjoy about watching OG? He seems like he has the potential one day to be uh, like a poor man's, frankly, a, cor- a poor man's Kawhi Leonard, right? Like he, with his defensive versatility. Yeah, I, 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 that's, that's fair to say. Um, and he's, he, you know, he, I mean, he's I know got the, a lot of- the offensive game has a, a ways to go, but it seems, he just seems so switchy um, for starters. Yeah, and, and, and another guy that they were absolutely not, uh, uh, they were thrilled not to have to part with um, uh, in, in, in trading for, for a player like Leonard. Uh, you know, some, someone that you say, like, if, if, you know, if Leonard doesn't resign and or this, this team uh, were, were to exit the playoffs uh, early again and, and, you know, you're, you're into, into the next phase, I, I think you're, you're, you're starting much faster uh, than, than, than some other teams that have had to do the same thing would be with guys like OG, uh, Siakam, uh, DeLon, right? I mean, that, that's, a, that, 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 that's already the, the nucleus of a good core and, and they're playing more supporting roles now um, while, you know, the likes of Lowry Lowry, Leonard, Abaka uh, are there. All right, let's talk quickly about Kawhi Leonard. Um, so, you know, this is obviously the marquee addition uh, in the offseason. What have you enjoyed about watching Kawhi thus far? What do you like about his game? He seems like the quintessential, like, elite two-way player yeah I mean, I mean is there is there anything he doesn't do well i mean first <laughs> right. of all there's there aren't guys like a, a, and someone who's not like a uh, i don't know the nuts and bolts of basketball well enough to really appreciate how a really great defensive player plays defense and then i watch Kawhi leonard i'm like yeah I, get it. I mean the way the the, the way in which, how fast his hands move and he can steal a ball with a guy without noticing it his, uh his you athleticism know, he, he, his athleticism yeah. is off the charts like right. he i've seen him on multiple occasions at this point like dive backwards into passing lanes and like scoop up steals like just like he's playing free safety or cornerback essentially on the basketball court and is exerting as much energy defensively as he is offensively and it's it's just it's remarkable to watch he he he, um he does it uh with an incredible degree of calmness uh, the guy never looks like he's rattled yeah. when he's playing. Um, uh, he's he's remarkably unselfish. Um, like does with it, the basketball, like, with the basketball, I can't imagine like his heart rate. Like he looks so calm on the court. Yeah. Like he looks like he's barely like breaking a sweat. It's so he's just so fluid. 
a friend of mine, you know, who was excited uh, when uh, for us Toronto fans, uh, I'm pretty sure he's a Laker fan from LA, said to, uh, uh, to my brother and, and me at the time, he said, just just wait till you get this guy in your uniform. He's a savant. And I think that's a that's a great way to, yeah. to describe him. Yeah, um, he's just like born he, to play basketball. Yeah, yeah, he 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 plays the game with with a a higher degree of intelligence. I mean, I think he's clearly a really intelligent guy. You listen to him speak. Yep. Um, you know, you, you just you just watch him how tuned in he is on the court. He's just such a a keen awareness of everything around him uh, that that's going on. Uh, and and you're like, wow, is he he's he doesn't have like the flashiness of of the other four or five elite players in the top five in the NBA, and he is absolutely a top five player in the absolutely. NBA. Yeah, right now yeah. um but well, but he's just, just understated right like he's not he's just never going to be the guy calling attention to himself like you know lebron or durant or you know westbrook like he's just he's just always going to be kind of quiet and unassuming right yeah all right dan before i let you go are you a believer in this team long term and there are there are there championship aspirations here do you believe that this is finally a raptors team that you know can get over the hump and that you know that canadian fans can put their faith in this year yes long term uh it it, it would be pretty optimistic to say yes because i still think if if for everything you know right now uh you're not going to have a paul george oklahoma situation where Kawhi falls in love or whatever and says i'm i'm staying and and i think without without him um despite all those really good pieces you're not you're not looking at a 21 and 5 start and 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 reason to believe that 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 type of winning percentage is going to hold throughout the season and, um, and that they are clearly the class of the East. I mean, I, I'd like to think that I'm not. I I, I don't know. You know, we, we, to go to the, the the theme with which you started here, um, Raptors fans don't really have a, a reason to believe that that long term uh, that that. That, that that would be the case. It's, it has really been a, a series of false starts, and and even with the the relative stability of the last five uh, playoff seasons, four of which were uh, uh, division wins, um, they um, you know they, they they didn't they haven't done it in the playoffs. But this year is clearly different. Um, but uh, that's that's why we're we're fans. Let's you know I hope we're having the same conversation this time next year with you know Ka- Ka- Kawhi on maybe he just signs a one. Do we know anything about Kawhi? Like he seems like this man of mystery. Do we know if he's having a good time in Toronto? Has anyone spotted him in like the many eclectic restaurants around Toronto or museums around town or anything? I mean, I, I'm sure people have and are. I mean, that's what 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 players do in, in downtown uh, Toronto. They, but I think we're known as a city for the most part of giving the guys uh, uh, the respect and and the privacy of the space. Um, he certainly he can't be enjoying it any less than any uh, than than might have been feared um, uh, when he signed with you know it's a one and done kind of thing. I mean yeah. you know the, the the start the team has had can uh, uh, couldn't really be uh, any better uh, for that. Plus the uh, uh, the way in which he's being you know properly handled and and seems like being respected the professional injury side whatnot. So yeah, I mean the the, the prospects like uh, they're they're only improving in that sense. But he's we all know he's a guy that keeps. It, that he's he's quiet uh, he's contemplative and uh, I don't think anybody has any idea what he's thinking and he doesn't give anybody any hints either what's the weather like in, in Toronto right now like when does it get like subliminally cold uh, before the season starts no, just, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean it, it, it's 
I mean, with global warming, whatever, it's not as bad as it used. It's not as bad as it used to be, and it oh, snows God. a lot more in Buffalo than it does in Toronto. Uh, but it, it's certainly—it's still uh, pretty cold. It, it's not more pleasant uh, than than where he's played in the past, and where sure. he might want to play in in the future. And uh, it, like all uh, Great Lakes regional, uh, the Great Lakes region cities, uh, you don't see a whole lot of sunshine between October and April. Right. All right, Dan. Well, we're we're keeping our fingers crossed. Um, thank you so much for hopping on the pod. We are we are. Re- for the Raptors. We're keeping our fingers crossed on Kawhi and uh, we will touch base later in the season and I hope to have you back on the show if that's cool with you. I look forward to doing it. Would love to do it again and thanks again for having me. All right, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. All right, bye. All right, that was a conversation with Dan Rosen. Dan, thanks very much. My name's Chris Wendelkin. This is On The Line. You can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can always find me there. Send me any of your uh, questions to OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. It goes a long way. Helps me out a lot. Have a great week, and uh, I'll talk to you guys in a little bit.